Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. journey I'm, I'm just growing weary and just following the lord it's it's hard because the world is pushing and pulling and tugging my flesh is pushing and pulling and tugging i'm just growing so weary so the temptation is to just back down a little bit kind of sit in the background maybe back off step away from the front lines the problem is is in way too many cases those that have stepped down, backed off, pulled away from the front lines, actually find themselves stepping back into the world. And the world will bring no comfort to a true believer. Do you find yourself getting weary in your walk with the Lord? In today's message from Pastor David, he encourages us not to step back from being on the front lines with God. Our journey with God is not always easy. Sometimes, when we are facing trials and temptations, we can become discouraged. However, Hiding and stepping back into worldly things will not bring us comfort. For Christian believers, the world brings no true comfort. So, stay in, push through, and keep journeying with God. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, Communicating the Gospel. Now, we, by and large, in the culture that we live in right now, we feel that since we have so much technology, we've got uh, all the social media, we've got lightning-fast internet, except here at our church, uh, we don't quite have that yet, but uh, we've got all these other programs and things. We've got the 140 characters or less Twitter accounts, we've got Facebook, we've got Snapchat, we've got Instagram, we've got Reddit, we've got Yelp, we've got WordPress, we've got Tumblr, we've got a host of other things that we think that now we truly are, we have finally come, we are the communication generation. Because, again, we can do it so fast. And the fact is, is we can transfer today in in our generation at this time, we can transfer information quicker than any other generation prior to us. But the problem is, is I believe a case can be made for the fact that we actually communicate less than generations before us. Just think of the definition of the word communication. There's a lot of dictionaries you could look at. I went online, of course, and uh, I found uh, with dictionary.com a great definition for the word communicate. The first definition is the imparting or exchanging of information or news. Okay, easy enough. The second definition was the successful conveying or sharing of ideas and feelings. And then the third one, short, sweet, to the point, social contact. Well, we do a whole lot of the first one. We definitely impart, we exchange a lot of information and news. We are bombarded by news, and if you don't have enough news 
on your 3,000 channel cable TV package that you have. You can go online and you can get news from every nation, every uh, uh, all over the world. You can find out things that are going on in Yugoslavia today, you know, right now. If something happened in Europe just five minutes ago, some of you might even get a ding on your phone. Hey, world event happening, going on. We, we have all of that going for us. There's no doubt about that. But it's that second definition that I really want to focus on this morning, that idea of conveying or sharing ideas and, and feelings. Paul, writing here in 2 Timothy, that's where we're at as we're finishing up the book of 2 Timothy. We're in chapter 4. We're down to verse 9 now. Paul really conveys a lot in this passage The thing we need to understand, the communication more than just that mechanical transfer of information and news, it's 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 that successful conveying of ideas and feelings that really makes human communication as powerful as it is. You 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 could know my my birth date, my birthplace, you could know the name of my parents and my siblings, you could know my education or lack thereof, Uh, you could know a whole lot of things about me that are just simply information and news, but not really know me. It's in the expression of, again, my feelings and shared experiences with you that really makes you come to know me. And that's what real communication is. Now, this particular section of of 2 Timothy here, I believe more so than any other letter or any other portion of any of the letters that Paul wrote, really brings in this personal depth of of the apostle that that really is, is, is seldom seen in today's communication. Paul really opens up his heart here. Now, man has verbally communicated since his creation back in the garden. I mean, God spoke to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had conversations. And yes, unfortunately, they had the conversation with the serpent as well. But much more than just uh, verbal communication, very early on, God gave man the ability to express his words in the written form. Now, even the the secular-minded archaeologists and anthropologists and historians and, and linguists, they actually all agree of the fact that the first arrival of any written form of communication was actually around the time of 3500 B.C., so about 5,500 years ago. Of all the information that they have, all the samples, they dated about that time. Interesting thing about that is if we can believe the the dating and the years that are listed in the Bible as they're describing events and times and characters, and I believe that we can, we understand that 5,500 years ago, Adam was still alive. And so very shortly after the time of creation and giving the, the ability to verbally create, God gave him the ability to write down and to communicate in, in that written sense. Funny how that works. God was there in the midst of it all. Now, this isn't a lesson or a teaching on languages or, or written communication. Please understand that. But there's a lot of interesting stuff that I came upon while I was preparing for this that I, I just want to share with you. The earliest writing samples that we actually have come from the area of Mesopotamia. Now, in the earlier days, they described Mesopotamia as the area between the two great rivers. 
Now, that corresponds with today's Iraq, uh, parts of modern days Iran, Syria, and Turkey. We also find out that those two great rivers that they spoke about in ancient times was actually the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And again, I, I find it absolutely interesting when in the early chapters of Genesis, when it describes the location of the Garden of Eden and it speaks about there being two great rivers, guess what the name of those two great rivers was? The Tigris and the Euphrates, That again, right there in the midst of that culture. Now, the seculars say, oh no, man's been around hundreds of thousands of years. So I guess for hundreds of thousands of years, they just kind of grunted at each other and they didn't ask. But in reality, they had verbal communication when God created Adam and Eve there in the garden. Now, and again, bear with me with this because because I found it interesting. Uh, but uh, the Chicago University, or University of Chicago, secular uh, institution, there's no doubt about it. Uh, they have within the University of Chicago the Oriental Institute. Now, at the Oriental Institute, they have this compilation of, of documents pulled together in uh, actually a, a document that was compiled, it was translated by a fellow by the name of Leo Oppenheim. Now, the name of that document is Letters from Mesopotamia, Official Business and Private Letters on Clay Tablets from 2 or from the 2nd millennia B.C., so around 2000. Now, again, the, the reason I bring this out is because, again, it brings out some personal communication that was being made during that time. Of the 150 letters that are there, some of them are government letters, uh, official business, that type of thing. But there's also a lot of personal things that they found there to individuals writing to other individuals, not about business, but just, again, in that personal way of communicating. Now, the first one is more of a business type of letter, but I found it amusing myself. So it was translated to the mayor and to the aldermen of the city from Samsuluna Serum. Samsuluna Serum. That's who's writing the letter to the mayor and to the aldermen of the city. Samsulima Serum. And he writes, May the gods Samas and Marduk keep you in good health. I'm sending you this tablet of mine to warn you. Nobody must come near the house of the woman dream interpreter, Umi Wagrat. Wouldn't you like to have that name, ladies? Wumi Wagarek. He writes, I bought that house and all of its bricks. If somebody so much as touches a brick in it, I will go to court against you, all of you, as provided by the pertinent documents or pertinent ordinances of my Lord King Samsaluna. Now, the interesting thing, the guy's name is Samsaluna. Now, so I don't know if he has a, a part and portion of, again, that document that he's going to sue them with or what, but, or if he was just simply named after the king. Well, the next one is actually a, a dear letter from a son to his mother. Very touching letters, you'll see. He, he writes not dear mom, but he writes to the lady Zenu, your son, Eden Sin, sends the following message. May the gods Samas, Marduk, and Ilbrat keep you forever in good health for my sake. I love that for his own sake. But get the gist of the letter. From year to year, the clothes of the young gentlemen here have become better. But you let my clothes get worse from year to year. 
Indeed, you persist in making my clothes poorer and more scanty. At a time when in our house wool is used up like bread, you have made me poor clothes. Why, the son of Adad Idanam, whose father is only an assistant to my father, has two new sets of clothes, while you fuss even about a single set of clothes for me, in spite of the fact that you bore me and his mother only adopted him. His mother loves him while you, you do not love me. Now, doesn't that sound like a teenager today? You know, my friend's parents bought him the, 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 the latest, greatest, you know, PlayStation or, or Xbox. But no, you didn't give me one. You don't really love me. I, I did, when I read that, I thought, that's so today. That's human nature. But again, the writing of communication that really speaks to the heart. <laughs> Still dealing with the same stuff. God communicates to us, and he communicates to us in a, in a very deep and very personal level. As a matter of fact, God took upon himself human flesh in order to communicate to us on a personal level, to have relationship with us. The Word of God says that in the last days, God spoke to us through his Son. Again, personal and from the heart of God. So here in 2 Timothy, bring it all back to here, the communication that Paul writes to Timothy, you can hear his heart. I believe that as you read this, you can almost hear him weep as he writes some of these words. You can, you can hear a, a spirit of brokenness. Uh, uh, you can hear the concern. You can, uh, again, understand that, man, as he writes this, there's still this love, there's this tenderness, there's this care. And beloved, that kind of thing can't be spread out. It can't be, again, summed up in 40 or 140 characters or less. That's somebody that's writing his heart. And it can't be, again, communicated with some you know, pithy little saying or a cute little picture of a kitten and just a, a quick verse. No, there, there, there's communication that's going on here. Paul's life is nearly over, and here he's laying his heart right on the line for Timothy to see, for all of us to see. It's at this portion of the letter where we almost feel like we, 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 we've gone through and we've stolen or, or opened up somebody's personal diary because again, the, the words I believe here are so deep and from the heart of Paul. Back in verse 6 of this fourth chapter, he says, the time of my departure is near at hand. And so as he's writing, you know, man, these are some important things he's writing. And so he continues on to plead with Timothy to, to live his life again, focused and, and determined to bring honor and glory to Christ. We are actually in verse 9, so let's begin there. He says to him, Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus. 
We read here and he says, I I want you to be diligent. Come to me quickly. I think there's probably a couple of reasons why he says, come to me quickly at this point in time. First of all, you you look and just as we've shared as we've gone through this book, uh, Paul understood that his time was very limited. And due to the, the mode of travel and the distance and everything and the conditions of travel during that day, it would have taken Timothy probably three to four months to get from Ephesus to Rome where Paul was fact is, is Timothy might not get there before Paul is executed. So it says, man, be diligent, come quickly. But secondly, there's no doubt that if Timothy was there with Paul, since everybody else had forsaken him, Timothy coming there would be an encouragement to him. It'd bring joy, it'd bring comfort to the apostle there, just in the bleakness of of that prison cell that he's finding himself. But thirdly, and I, I believe more directly, we actually have a hint within the passage itself. Down in verse 13, Paul tells Timothy, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. That cloak is just what you would imagine it would be. It's be something that you throw over your shoulders. You could wrap yourself up, maybe tie it at the neck for a cold day. If you're laying down in the cold, you could use it like as an extra blanket, something to keep you warm. Look down in verse 21. He tells Timothy, do your utmost to come before winter. I believe that Paul is writing some really practical things here, some practical physical needs that he has. The cold and the dampness of that cell, man, that that could very well be the end of him long before the executioner even came. The the winter was coming on and that that cold uh, of, of the winter there in Rome, I believe, is taking its toll on this apostle that was aging and had been so mistreated. Be diligent to come to me quickly. He says, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Now, we, we don't know for sure. We see the name Demas listed a couple of different times within the Scripture. I believe it's the same guy. In Philemon, uh, verse 24, uh, it speaks about Demas as being a fellow worker for Christ, along with Mark and Aristarchus and Luke. And then in Colossians chapter 24, chapter 4, I'm sorry, we have him also listed with uh, Tychicus and Onesimus and Aristarchus, uh, as well as John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and, and a fellow by the name of Jesus. Uh, he didn't go by Jesus, uh, he went by justice, uh, the word tells us in Colossians 4, as well as Epaphras and, and Luke, the beloved physician. Now, Demas, along with the rest of these guys, Paul had written in Colossians that these were beloved brothers. These were faithful ministers. These were fellow servants of the Lord. They had proven to be a comfort to the apostle. Demas was among those, and now he's forsaken the apostle, having loved this present world. Somehow, because of the prison cell, because of the dangers of of Rome, because of the possibilities that he might end up sharing in the same sufferings as Paul, Demas left Rome. He departed for Thessalonica, having loved this present world. One of the things we don't know, what, what, what was his life before he came to Christ? We don't know. What was there in particular uh, in the world that was drawing him away so strongly that he would forsake somebody that he had journeyed with for many years and gone on missionary journeys with to where now at the very greatest need of the Apostle Paul, what was there in the world that drew him away from that? We don't know. The other thing we don't know is, was there ever a time or or part in Demas' life after this letter was written? 
that Demas repented and came back to the Lord. We don't know that either. We could hope, we could pray for that. Now we understand from a lot of clues within the scripture that this is the same Demas, that he wasn't a Jew, he was a Gentile convert. And as Paul writes these things, you need to understand he's not so much uh, uh, condemning Demas as much as he's simply e- expressing his own, his own heartbreak, his, his disappointment in the failure of Demas's journey to walk away from Christ, to walk away from the work of the ministry and the need that was going on. Even later in this passage, Paul writes, he tells Timothy, all have forsaken me, may it not be charged against them. Yeah, we do know Demas left for dishonorable reasons. And then the interesting thing is there in that, in that same verse, uh, the same sentence, almost the same breath. He says, Crescens has left for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. Now, as for the reasons these other two guys left, there's a lot of people that want to give them a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, and say, well, maybe it was ministry reasons that uh, Crescens went to Galatia. Maybe, maybe Titus had some important work in the Lord to do in Dalmatia. But you know, when I read this, and I read it in, in the context of, man, it's like right there with Demas. Demas went to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to uh, Dalmatia. I think that these guys also walked away from the Lord. These were guys that had ministered along with Paul. Their names had been mentioned again as being there with him. They just came to a point in their life where they stepped back, stepped away. But I think if we're honest today, that when we look at the tragic situation of these three men, the fact is, as countless believers and even ministry leaders have found themselves in the same place. They've served the Lord. They've seen the Lord working and, and, and moving. And, and, you know, again, they, they've been used by the Lord. And they finally come to a point and place where, man, the battle has just gotten so hard. Just, just man, the, 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 the battle is so intense. The attack of the enemy seems absolutely relentless. And in my journey, I'm, I'm just growing weary. Man, this following the Lord, it's, it's hard because the world is pushing and pulling and tugging. My flesh is pushing and pulling and tugging. I'm just growing so weary. So the temptation is to just back down a little bit, kind of sit in the background, maybe back off, step away from the front lines. But the problem is, is in way too many cases, those that have stepped down, backed off, pulled away from the front lines, actually find themselves stepping back into the world. And the world will bring no comfort to a true believer. To a true believer, that they, our, our minds think, oh man, this is so hard. I'm just going to go back to what I know and where I've been. But I love the words of Spurgeon writing to believers. He says, all of the world cannot satisfy you. Even your dearest friends cannot satisfy you. But the Lord Jesus Christ can satisfy you and satisfy you to the fullest. For these three men in particular here, it's, it's definitely not what we see a little bit later. Down in verse 12, it says that Paul purposefully sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And then down a little bit further in, in verse 20, 
we find that Erastus stayed in Corinth. Now, again, because of the context, because he's separated from these other guys, I feel that for Erastus, his stay there in Corinth was was ministry-focused. He was still busy about the work of the ministry there, so he had stayed. That's all we have time for today on The Open Word. If you'd like to listen again to today's message or hear additional teachings by Pastor David, you can do so quite easily. In fact, Pastor David has that information to share with you right now. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. That website once more is theopenword.com. The book of 2 Timothy is an insightful study on what the end of life looks like for a follower of Jesus. We can learn from the Apostle Paul's wisdom and attitude and his desire to continue serving Jesus every moment. It doesn't matter how old you are, what you've done, or who you are, Jesus has a plan for your life. As you're seeking the Lord's plan for your life, we'd like to join you in prayer. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We're so blessed to be able to share Pastor David's teachings with you on each edition of The Open Word. And we hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the book of 2 Timothy with us. Join Pastor David next time, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.